And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home of the apocalypse. Episode 41, The Crazies. I am your host, Jared, the apocalypse nerd, Wallace, and co-host, Adam Bomb Glancy, coming to you live. And uh, we, were, we were good. Or, when, or, or whenever you see it. You know, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a week later. We'll take a week, exactly. Uh, but we're back, back on, uh, back on schedule. You know, after the move apocalypse, so we're back on our every two week schedule. Because I said we had shit lined up this time. We talked about it, so we're we're good to go for at least for at least a couple more episodes until we start to uh, flounder again. But uh, oh, I, I have things we will I will be asking you about at the end of the show. More things to put on the schedule. Ah, yeah, more stuff. Good, good, good. That's what we more like. Suggestions. Excellent. That's what we need. Not not that we ever run out of ideas, but. You know, I, I tend to like... Oh, yes, you do. You sit around and go, Glancy, I'm dry. I've got nothing. I've got... Oh, wait, i got an idea. How many <laughs> I, got times no, I, I got nothing. The well is empty, Scott. Oh, wait, I got something for you. Yeah, that, how many times I had to put up with that from you? Where it's just like, it's over. It's all over. Okay, wait a minute. There's one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you couldn't count it on both your hands. <laughs> nope. Not even if I was a mutant and grew an extra hand. Yes, exactly. Even if you were, even if you were an Orlean and had four arms, you still couldn't do it, you know. Hey, but um, Omar's are stupid. Omar's indeed are stupid. So yeah, we're going to talk about the crazies, uh, the original 1973 George Romero film, and the remake in 2010. Now, why are we talking about the crazies? Well, because I, because I posted the event page. I think the crazies. Uh, covers two types of apocalypses that we talked about. Number one, the micro-apocalypse, and number two, it's viral as well. So it kind of covers those two areas for sure. And, and, and definitely, possibly, I've been pushing Jared on the third style of apocalypse, which is the behavioral apocalypse. Yes, yes and where, Scott Barton. Where people's behavior changes. Yes, for whatever reasons, he brought up a good point, which we'll, we'll kind of we'll tag it on at the end. Uh, but before we start, uh, let's talk about a couple of in-the-news things. And uh, I forgot to mention last week, I had been watching, and of course now I'm a couple behind because I started to lose interest, uh, was there is a show on, uh, I think it's TNT, TNT, called The Last Man on Earth. It's yes. a post-apocalyptic show, but it's more really more of a comedy. Uh, you know, But it's uh, like, okay, well, it's got a post-apocalyptic theme. I'll give it a chance and see if it's funny. It's really not that funny. I, I'm not really. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, oh, oh, oh! The, the last man on earth. He's so hilarious. I'm not really getting uh, a whole lot of that out of it. Uh, I'm just not feeling it. Uh, I, I watched like the first four or five episodes, and we were we were away, so I missed one, and then I missed another, and then it wasn't available on download, uh, you know, on demand. So I'm kind of behind. I'll catch up with it, but it's, eh, it's again, I don't find it that funny, but somebody else might think it's hilarious, because as we've all learned in time, that Jared's really fucking picky. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, the, the, it, it, I, it reminded me a little bit of uh, a film I remember from the 90s. I think it was that um, uh, Jerry Ryan was in. Like the only uh, thing about the show, the the movie that stood out was that uh, uh, Jerry Ryan from that is to say the girl who played the 
Borg, I think it was on on uh, Star Trek. Oh yeah, uh, seven seven uh, seven of nine. Seven of nine. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that apparently uh, there was a oh Jesus that ah, uh, cat, okay. cat apocalypse. Ah, oh, the cat bunghole apocalypse. Everyone get a good oh fuck ah okay. So, as I was saying, uh, I have a new uh, I have a new co-host. Who's this? Is Django, our twenty-pound oh god furry tour, who is ah apparently thinks that he can just climb on me, which he clearly is succeeding at. Anyways, this is going to be a problem throughout our podcasting until I can move him downstairs with the rest of the cats because oh Jesus. He's new. Anyways, uh, Jerry Ryan in 2000, I just looked it up on IMDb, there was a film called The Last Man, which was a comedy about some guy who's, and of course they got Jerry Ryan, you know, on the cover of the box, oh, but, well, of but basic David is, I think it's uh, some guy named David Arnott and plays this, um, uh, this guy who is the last guy on earth and he's just the fat, you know, tubby, bearded, you know, guy who would be a fan of perhaps Star Trek um, Voyager, and um, he's one of us. And the last woman is Jerry Ryan, you know, and it's like woohoo result, of, you know. And then they find another guy, and he's he's pretty Hot. much the male version of, of yeah, he's the male version of Jerry Ryan, and it all starts. And suddenly we have World War Four. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't seen it. I just remember seeing the previews for it some years ago. We can, I'm sure we can find a link to the IMDb page or whatever and throw that up. But yeah, I've never The Last, last Man as a Comedy has is not um, is before. not uh, ha, has been done before. It has been treated as a comedy in the past. Whoa! So there. Oh. So so yes, I've been watching that. Uh, what else? Uh, there is also um, there is on there's a channel called uh, Crackle, and there there is a yeah, I think we mentioned it before a Dead Rising Watchtower. Basically, they made a they made a short movie about the video game Dead Rising, and it's in that universe. I've watched about half of it. Um, uh, then I again I lost interest and started shooting people online instead. You know, <laughs> so um, far more, far more compelling. Far more compelling. Uh, like it's you know takes place after like both the video games. Frank West there. There's another outbreak and the Zombrex and all, all that stuff. That cat will not uh, leave you alone. No, Jesus. He, he's purring like a fiend. Can you hear him? I heard him. Now I can't. Okay, that's because he had his mouth next to the, next so, to the. Uh, Speaker. So, uh, uh, Dead Rising Watchtower, I'll probably finish it off. It's on the Crackle Network. And then also, uh, what else was there? Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, Walking Dead wrapped up the season. So, um, No spoilers, you know, please. No, no. They man, wrapped up. The, the man without cable needs you to wait until they can see it. Uh, they wrapped up the season, but then they announced that in the, in the summer there is going to be a, a shoot-off series called... Fear the Walking Dead, which takes place in California, right, but like a few weeks before the apocalypse. So we get to see the breakdown and from a different era. Yeah, hey, your favorite part. My favorite part, yes. Yeah, so I'll definitely give it a chance because it's during the breakdown, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's it. We'll. I mean, same guys, but 
like I said, the I think the zombie thing has kind of saturated the market. So we'll see. Can they support another show? Even though it's even though the even though it's good show, it's like, do we need two Walking Dead TV shows out there? Yeah. You know. I'm sure some people are like, yes, we do, but we'll, we'll see. You know, well, we need another one if there's more, you know, zombie rampaging and less, you know, drama. Well, we'd like to say, send more zombies. Yeah, but it's not, it's not going to happen. It's, you know, because it's really, well, because we know it's really about the characters and the zombie is just zombie scenario is just, the, is just the backdrop. So it's window dressing. Window dressing. No. So uh, much so, like the, much like the King in Yellow in a certain show we could name, but we won't in case anyone hasn't managed to see it yet. Yes. Now, uh, so there's that, and uh, there's been... I got two. Okay, well, one more thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, there's been a slew of more uh, Mad Max trailers coming out. Everybody's getting all fucking crazy, and again, I'm, I'm, whole, I'm trying to hold back my judgment until I see it. But um, I'm uh, not, not I'm having trouble doing it because, uh, especially when people are like, "Well, oh, I'll wait for this reboot slash remake." They're like, "It's not a reboot. It's the fourth film." No, no, it's not. It doesn't take place after Beyond Thunderdome. It is kind of. It's not a prequel. It's like a. I think they call it like an interval. They're inser- yeah, they're ser- inserting it between Road Warrior and Thunderdome. They're, they're basically no, no. I think that's actually between. Mad Max and the Road Warrior, and kind of, I think it kind of replaces the Road Warrior because he still has the V8, and the V8 gets wrecked again. So it's oh, kind of like, you're you're right. The V we all see the V8 interceptor die. Yep, trailer. Which I'd like to point out. If you're going to make me cry, you know why don't you wait till the fucking movie to start to make me cry again? It's like oh, the V8 interceptor dies. I I've, I've lost interest. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's kind of like. I think it's like it's it's kind of it's a people are like oh it's another story it's a different de-. no it's basically it seems like Mad Max still happened but he's kind of like they're doing with the Terminator Genesis it's like well the first one happened but it didn't happen and we're kind of yes they're they're, they're folding in on their own timeline in Gen in Terminator which to insert a movie insert the movie into the movie yeah I mean that's really what's happening they're putting the movie in the middle of the movie. You know, yeah, because basically it's like it's, it's uh, like a turducken. It's like a it's like a Terminator turducken. Mm. Mm. Well, well, because it's like you know, apparently, it, if they're doing that, then time is definitely linear in their universe. Because well, we went back and we changed that, but then we went back and changed things again. It did change things again, and, changed, and it got all ah, you know, it got all you know, <laughs> it gets to be too much. So the Mad Max thing again, people people say it's not a reboot. It's not a reboot of the whole franchise, but it, it, it kind of is. It's like it's kind of like what Abrams is doing, and everybody's like, "Oh, but it's the same guy, this and that." Yeah, but he's retelling the story for a modern audience with lots of CGI and Michael Bay explosions. So, they, well, I will admit that uh, they they did a smart thing, and the most recent trailers I've watched, they have cut down the CGI to almost nothing. Oh yeah, um, or, or, or they, they they because I think I think. The old school people from the 80s were grumping already and spreading their, you know, bile like we do across the internet, uh, pooping it because what we saw was a CGI lizard and a CGI dust devils and CGI cars being sucked up into CGI explosions and everybody got grumpy. And, uh, or at least 
a percentage of the original fan base did, and that can poison the well. And I think they're they want to they're like they're backing off that. If there is CGI, fine. But I I I understand that some effects are going to have to be done with CGI. Oh yeah, yeah. But but at the same time, I think they decided we better not showcase the CGI. We better make this look as much as possible like it's an actual car flying through the actual air, blowing out its actual shocks when it lands in the chase. You know. And then you put a new car in with new shocks for the next scene. You know, where they're, they're actually got metal flying through the air at 60, 70 miles an hour because that's what we came for. Exactly. And also their, um, uh, oh, also the, that it also, it's in 3D. So that is why everything is so oh. over the top with CGI. It's, well, it's they in have 3D? A, well, they have a 3D and a 2D version. Good. Well, I'm going to the 2D because every time I wear those glasses, it washes the color out, and that film looks good and colorful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, anytime something's in 2D and 3D, I go see the 2D because 3D, I'm sorry, is not necessary to enhance my experience. Just make a good... It, it, it decreases it. Yeah. Because make it, the, just make a good the, film. Yeah. The the 3D decreases my enjoyment because I think the glasses always wash the color out, and it's not as bright and it's not as vivid, and I can't have that. If I'm going to see something you know big and shiny, it better be goddamn big and shiny. Oh yeah, and of course, and of course, I always fall back to uh, anytime I think about 3D movies, all I can ever think about is Dr. Tongue's 3D House of Pancakes. Oh, followed up also by Dr. Tongue's. 3D House of Cats, and luckily we have the cat prop right here, so that John Candy would go, would you care for a feline? <laughs> Thank you, you awesome, awesome assistant there. Finally the cat came in useful for something. Oh, my God. Yes, it's earned its <laughs> today. I didn't have so, any pancakes ready. Sorry. That's okay. So so that's all I had. That's all I have from, from Apocalyptic News. A whole bunch of stuff I've been kind of saving up because I keep on forgetting about it. So you say a couple things as well? Yeah, I was going to mention the new trailers are, are, are for Mad Max are pushing the CGI down. You know, they're, they're, they're pushing that back into the hole, which I think is a good thing. I was also going to say that uh, we don't have to see Tom Hardy looking so butthurt. Um, the, trailer, the first trailer shows Tom Hardy as a perpetual victim. Yeah, and I don't like first, And I'm like... And he, and he looked sad and broken the whole time. And mostly, but his sad and broken wasn't coming off very sad and broken. It was coming off. And the lower lip pouty face thing was not blowing my skirt up. I did not need that. Uh, I get that Max is broken, you know. And I got to tell you, the drunken misogynistic uh, anti Semite, uh, Mr. Gibson, gave us plenty of broken without having to go pouty face. Because. <laughs> Exactly. He was a guy. He was a guy who ate every fucking emotion because he couldn't show any weakness, you know. And so, that was fine. We, that was what we had for our character. Um, and, that, 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 and that's what I don't like about that when they show him too broken. It's like uh, Max Rakitansky, um No, is as is as hard as a coffin nail. Okay. <laughs> exactly. That's I'm who, sorry. <laughs> that's who Max Rakitansky is. Thank you very much. Um, you know, he was chain cuffing, he was handcuffing guys to things that were on fire two decades before Rorschach got around to it with uh, the, yeah. in the Watchmen. Thank you very much. Here's your hacksaw. Same gag, different continent, different decade. Um, but I, I, you know, I the other thing I want to point out is that uh, is Maggie. Okay, 
the new Arnold Schwarzenegger zombie flick. Oh, yes. You, know, you, you posted I that. Po I want to point that one out because Maggie uh, is a first-time director, first-time writer. The budget is $8 bucks, and the two stars are freaking Schwarzenegger. The governor must have taken a serious pay cut to do this. Uh, he must have. I, I haven't checked to see if he's got a. Um, in fact, I probably should and just go ahead and see if he's got an executive uh, producer um, uh, credit on this thing because it looks like the kind of thing that he's like, hmm, I need to have a career again. Let's go get something you know high end uh, to uh, something that'll really uh, give me an opportunity here. And so. Uh, it's him, and it's uh, Abigail Breslin, who uh, I hope people will remember from things like um, uh, Zombieland, right? She was the younger sister in Zombieland, okay. and she was Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, yeah. And I know that she's picked up some, you know, she's picked up a lot of accolades as a really good actress. Um, and everything I've seen her in has been, you know, top notch. So uh, it's the, um, it's a it's a zombie apocalypse where we apparently have won. Hmm. Where there is still order, there is still authority, there's scary guys with guns enforcing the rules, and the rule is when your relatives get the bug, they go to quarantine. And quarantine probably means execution and, you know, uh, cremation, you know. And, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, it looks like it's going to be about the guy who doesn't want to send his daughter to the zombie death camp and uh, what that's going to cost him for, you know, not doing that. And uh, it's definitely a, a crap sack future where everything's bashed up. America looks like Libya. You know, cars are still running. Hospitals are still up. The military and the police are still there. But huge swaths of the urban environment are depopulated by the plague, by the zombies. Uh, the, the the world looks pretty crappy, and uh, so it's technically post post apocalypse. We've had our apocalypse, and now we're recovering from it. And the zombies are just you know this underlying factor that's now part of everybody's everyday life. Now that, in the words of Mr. Romero, death has died. You know, nobody uh, nobody, so, dies. nobody dies anymore. So it's people fear death because if somebody dies. The whole thing could start all over again. Yeah. So that's where Maggie's going. And again, I don't know if I said it before, budget $8 million. That's the estimated budget on IMDb. And I got to tell you, anytime somebody comes up with a, a, a single-digit million movie uh, or, or lower, I got to give them a shot. I got to give them a try, you know. Um, oh, yeah, see, see what they can pull off, you know, because that, oh, that means they have ideas and concepts, you know. Oh, and speaking of... Uh, uh, not post-apocalypse. One of the best films ever uh, is a, for any horror fans is a film called The Sunderland Experiment. But because it, I saw it at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, it has now got a release on the DVD. You can order it through Netflix, I believe. Um, it's not on Netflix the instant, uh, uh, streaming download yet. But they changed the title. They changed it to Exile, Children of the Wasteland. And then they got a big fucking radiation warning symbol right in the middle of the title to try and make you think that it's a post-apocalyptic movie. It's not. Hmm. There's nothing post-apocalyptic about this movie. It is a horror movie about a cult living in an isolated part of the California desert cut off from 
the modern world which is still going on. And it looks a little post-apocalyptic inside their world because they've been cut off for so long. It's a movie you should see. Everybody should see Exile. Okay? It's a great movie. But the people who bought it and uh, decided to distribute it, they wanted to change the title because, amongst other things, E is closer to the front of the alphabet than T or S for The Sunderland. Hmm. Can you believe that bullshit? Um, so, personally, I would have gone with experiment and at least kept the word E and the X, and you know. But they didn't get to put in this Children of the Wasteland thing, which it's it's bad marketing for a great movie. And uh, if you're fooled into watching it, thinking it's uh, post-apocalypse, worse things could happen to you. All right, but I don't want you to have any kind of dislike for it because it didn't meet your expectations. Because your expectations were for something else. But seriously, we should have a link to ex Exile uh, or Exile in the in the uh, uh, show notes because it is awesome. And the people marketing it are and it's not the creators, not the creators. It's the money people behind the distribution. But it's a it's a really good movie. So there, there's my pitch on on uh, Exile. Cool. To check it out. So <clears throat> let's uh, circle back to the topic at hand. Yes. Uh, us, but uh, no, there's a lot of news. We haven't really had a lot of news lately, so it's, uh, we had a lot of stuff to share, which is good. Uh, the Crazies, originally George Romero, 1973, and I think that was a, another small budget film. Uh, oh, yeah. I think that was originally like, oh, God, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'll go ahead and look that up on. Uh of thousands. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty small, if I remember correctly. That's not what I was looking for. But uh, he went to this town in Pennsylvania, as I understand it, and just said, hey, does everybody want to be in a movie? And, you know, okay, budget is 275000 on this thing. Yeah, and it was... 70s dollars, and it was actually a failure. Box office was only 143 thousand dollars, so it didn't uh, didn't do so well. But it became again uh, one of those cult uh, films. Uh, basically, what the crazies is about is you get the small town, and actually the small town in the original is called. I just watched it again, and I can't freaking remember the name of the town. Um, Evans, Evans City, Pennsylvania, which comes up again in Dawn of the Dead. Because ah. like yeah, it's like yeah, we just passed Evansville. Those rednecks in Evansville must be having a great time. So again, Romero, <laughs> Romero, Romero likes to say stay local to Pennsylvania when he makes his films. So you'll see a lot of uh, references back and forth uh, between his films. So Evansville, a military uh, plane crashes, and a biological weapon is released. The military comes in to quarantine, isolate, and take care of the problem uh, before, be, before it becomes too widespread. The uh, biological weapon is called uh, Trixie, codenamed Trixie, and that's the basics of the film. Now, uh, with, it, with both uh, the original and the remake, uh, it's the same plot line, except I think they set it in the Midwest. Uh, like, yeah, in, it's uh, all like very a, flat. Yeah. If there's no woods, there's no rolling hills like they do in Pennsylvania. It's just flat cornfields and freeways. Yeah, like in Iowa, uh, I think it's. I think they do it. Uh, so, the original film. Uh, I, I I like the original film, but again, it suffers from, you know, again. But you got to go and know it suffers from the low budget, 
um, you know, production values, low, because all the guy, the biological suits are basically just uh, surplus gas masks and painters jumpsuits, like the white painter jumpsuits. That's their biological, uh, you know, that's their NBC gear in the movie, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. But also, it, but, it makes good. It makes good when they get shot because white shows blood real good. <laughs> it's good for the squibs. Yeah, all the weapons are just uh, M1 carbines, which you know, I a little late for the seventies. You know, that's that's what well, you no, might I, see. Well, it was nineteen seventy three, so. Yeah, but we're up to our ass in M16s by, by 1973. That's the kind of thing you might see in the 60s on your National Guard guys. But he had some nice military-looking rifles. Um, they look they look good. Um, uh, they fired their blanks just fine without a big bulky adapter. Um, uh, they're, you know, uh, they're, they had maybe like two Jeeps and maybe one truck to drive around in to, yeah. to do all the Jeeps and all the trucks. You know, and so it's clearly, they're clearly suffering from, you know, having $275,000. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah. they still do a lot of things that were really interesting uh, and looked really cool on the film. I love the fact that they show them putting up ultraviolet lights in, their, in, the, in and around the doorways of their command post like that because ultraviolet doesn't do bacteria as any favors. Um, I love the idea of the... Uh, uh, of their giving everybody inoculations, the soldiers, not because it works, but because they want them to not be afraid of Trixie so they'll do their job, you know. Exactly. And it does a great job of showing, I mean, the, the whole point of that film is is mostly to show how bad people are in a crisis. Oh, yeah, and how unprepared uh, the government and military is planned for crisis because in the original, you know, just folks, spoiler alerts. So, um... The, see, in the original film, they're actually on site in Evansville like a week um, into the movie. Like they're yeah. like it's the plane crashed, and they're telling them all kinds of stories. Like the guys like is not even prepared to like you know because they got to quarantine, they got to make things work. You know. Yeah, they're they're telling everybody, oh no, we've totally cleaned it up. It's fine. Everything's cool, and they even think it's cool. They they're even convinced it's almost over. Yeah, because they don't they don't know it. They didn't tell them everything. The but the thing is. People knew, knew what was going on. The mayor knew what was going Well, as much as they knew what was going on, but they were told, but they were they knew there was a problem. The mayor knew. The sheriff knew. Uh, the, you know, some people knew what was going on, whereas in the new film, nobody knew what was going on. It was like something fucked up, and they just fucking came in. You know, so there's there's a, there was a different pacing between the two movies because I think the pacing was a little bit was definitely slower. In the original 1973 film, there was yeah. definitely some definitely some unnecessary scenes of oh look we're driving somewhere and oh look here's some 70s music and just un I think unnecessary filler space in it which they could have done if they could have chopped some of that down a little bit more it would have made it a little it would have made it a little cleaner a little tighter you know uh, but they knew they were there ahead of time they knew what was going on but things started escalating as more people saw what was going on and it got worse and worse because. They thought it was airborne, but they didn't realize that it went into the water. And they're like, "Oh, sunlight kills." They're like it's in the aquifers, dude. You know, like it, it's contaminating the water. It got everywhere. People started getting sick, and uh, they they were bringing other people in. They were bringing more soldiers. People in the thing. It was right at the point where things were starting to get uh, squirrely. You know, because yeah. they've been there. It's a J, it's a J curve of fucked up. You know, as it goes yeah. along, it's it's getting. 
it's accelerating how bad it gets, and and they barely get in there in time to get into when it's when it's completely out of control. The army arrives just in the nick of time, and even then, it ain't much of the nick of time. No, because so many people are like have or have lost it, you know, because the symptoms are, you know, actually I think it takes a little longer to incubate uh, in the in the 70s one. It, it takes days for it to happen, and what happens is like you know because our 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 favorite doctor from Dawn of the Dead was in this, you know, Richard. Uh, yes, Richard, that's right. Richard Frank. Well, well, there's two. I mean, there's yes, there's the, and, and Doctor Logan's in it too. Doctor Logan is in it playing. Um, it's Richard Francis, Doctor Watts. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember who plays. It's, is it Kathy's dad? Yes. It's the guy who starts weirdly rubbing on his daughter, and I kill. Oh, him. He, he he does more than that, and they they show it like the end result of that, which is really like wow. That's you know what is yeah, it? Yeah, that was what, pretty horrible. What is this behind the green door or something? You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Romero definitely is pushing the limits in 1973 where the crazy, uh, disease-infected father starts trying to molest his daughter. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say trying to. I think it's an I, I think it's not an attempted rape. I think it's an actual rape that takes, happens, and it's horrible. Yeah, um, that, that aside. Uh, that, is, that aside, that horrible. And, uh, so, and that was one of the things about the, uh, the crazies in the, the, the 1971 is, not all of them are violent, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. They, they don't all go murderous. There's yeah. that one thing where there's a battle happening and there's a woman with a broom who's sweeping. Yeah. Oh, yes. That is like the that is the best part of the movie. Like, all the got crazy guys got their guns, they're coming at the soldiers, and there's this one woman with a broom sweeping the grass, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's this... It's unpredictable what will happen with the disease. Whereas... Yeah. In our in our 2010 version, it goes straight to murderous, you know. Well, yeah, well, because because as they explained in the 2010 version, that it was a is it was a virus, you know, it was a viral weapon designed to destabilize the population by making them batshit crazy and attacking and destroying them inter internally. Yeah. Although they still have groups of people in the 2010 one who are cooperating in their craziness. Yeah. Uh, when, they're, when they're at that truck stop, there's actually yeah. a group. Of of, of crazies who are working together. And they're extra, it's, it's extra nasty because, again, unlike your zombie apocalypse or your crazies, your crazies from 28 and 28 weeks later, uh, they're tool users. They still know how, even though they're crazy, they still know how to pick up their shotgun. They still know how to light their dynamite because they're throwing dynamite at oh, the Oh, yeah, the, the dynamite. Well, they, they, they just become unstable, not, you know, totally uh, useless. But now, mind yeah. when when they get when they started gathering them at you know because like, they're gathering them all at the, at the high school to try to control the population, it gets kind of hilarious because they're just kind of all like ah! it's like okay just act you know they're all just like kind of running around with their hands well, it's, it's the whole town I mean everybody I in it's just whether it's the soldiers under the gear under the face masks um, or the crazies uh, it's almost it's almost the whole population of the town just. Yeah. You know, being in the movie. So, uh, if their acting chops, if their crazy acting chops are not up to speed, it's because they're they used pr ten hours yeah. earlier. They were running the drive-through at the. Oh yeah. Point. Oh, it's, it's just hilarious, you know. Because again, again, you can. It, the movie's more about the concept than it is opposed to the actual uh, execution at times. 
it's just yeah. funny. It's just funny seeing the people just like yeah, laughing, having a good time, you know. But um, which yeah. I guess kind of which I guess kind of works, you know. But there are some really there are some really powerful scenes in it. Um, uh, the images of the guys in the gas masks, you know, standing on every corner where your your town is under occupation. And um, one of the things that always got me was when they're disposing of the dead. Oh yeah. Everyone's 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 going through their pockets for money and watches, you know, because nobody gets that this is it. This is the end. You know, everyone thinks they're gonna go home after this. Uh, and, you know, oh, look, I got a bunch of Rolexes. So they're going through people's pockets for valuables, and, and there's that one thing where one of the soldiers freaks out, and they put the flamethrower on him. Oh, yeah, they have flamethrowers, which, again, makes for a great movie, having a flamethrower. And, you know, and that's always a good start. That scene where the guy gets, you know, the one soldier gets set on fire, and his, the officer has to is trying to put him down, but, but because he's wearing the gas mask, he can't get a D, he can't, see real well, so he yeah. tears off his gas mask so he can finally put the guy down with a, the burning man alive, you know, down with a single shot. And that was another thing I liked, was the fact that the soldiers weren't real good at shooting our heroes because they can't see shit out of those stupid gas masks. Yep. You know? They, and, they, were, they weren't modern, they weren't modern gas masks. They were like, just really bad, just kind of like civilian. They're really just more like civilian gas masks, you know? Yeah, they look, yeah, they look like something from the 50s. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe earlier. But because of that, you know, they, they steam up, you can't see shit, now you're supposed to have a firefight in the woods when all you poor bastards are wearing white? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was willing to accept that the, that the protagonists were better combatants than the soldiers because they had all these limitations. Well, but our, but our two main characters were, were one was an ex-Green Beret, and one was, a, and one was uh, he was just regular army, but he was a foot soldier. He was a good, you know, apparently he was a good, good everybody, shot soldier. Yeah, so everybody were, yeah, plus they were, they were combat veterans. Yeah. So, and a, lot of, and a lot of movies don't bother, what can I say, a lot of movies don't bother to give me a reason why the protagonists have an advantage or why they're winning. You know, just all of a sudden, the stormtroopers in Star Wars can't hit the broadside of a barn. You know, speaking of guys dressed in white who can't shoot. Um, it, have, it can't see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I like that the film sort of set that up and, uh, and gave that to me. And it did a good job. I thought it did a good job of being kind of, you know, of this... The, this sort of weird tragedy as they're trying to get out. You got to get out before we're infected, and it's too late. You're infected, and there's actually a point where, in the film, I'm starting to wonder if I should be rooting for the protagonists to get out of the quarantine because if they do, the rest of us are fucked. Yep, they're gonna. You spread. know, because one and by one, one, one by one, they all they start dropping off because they're getting it. Yeah, not because the soldiers are killing them, although that happens. But they're they're dropping off because they're losing their, their minds. They've got Trixie, and so you start to wonder, you know, if maybe your loyalty shouldn't be from with the men from Glad as opposed to, you know, the, our protagonists. Well, except for the one who is apparently immune. So okay, there's one guy, and that is a great ending, where they go, "Do you want to test him to see if he's immune?" Nah, we're not gonna find anyone who's immune, and then. Well, cause, cause, the, because again, it's shown the, the the incompetence and the you know uh, and, and the uselessness of, the, of what they're trying to do. Because they're like, ah, now nah, we'll because we'll they're like, well, we'll figure it out. We don't know what so and so is working on. We'll see if we can get to it. They're just showing their incompetence. You know yeah. why why it's failing. You know why yeah. this is happening. Because yeah. if they would have tested oh. them, 
and that marvelous thing about they, they they're, they're, that marvelous thing about how they slow down communications because they have to encrypt everything and descramble yeah. it. And then do you have the code? Well, that's not the right code. You do, you know, and and so they all the security on top of this prevents them from communicating and coordinating fast enough. And it's it's just a it's just a uh, the, the the film is cool in the way that it sort of does this. And here's how we're gonna blow it. You know, here's how bureaucracy and our ability to react blow it. And even our individual individualist efforts of our protagonists are gonna blow it. You know. Yeah, because their success is to spread the disease. That's what we get if our heroes get out of quarantine. Yeah, because they did. What was it called? It was like uh, voice recording recognition. So anytime they had to talk to somebody, they had to record it, send it somewhere else, verify it, they communicate, and that's what caused the whole problem. Because you know, the good doctor, you know, found. Discovered something, he couldn't wait the extra ten minutes, you know, for the communication. Runs out with with vicariously just carrying in his hand a couple of vials, and they see him come around the corner and like get over there. He's like, no, no, I'm the doctor. I can, you know. And he's, you know, they're like, get the fuck over there, and it's done, done. Yeah, and if you think that can't happen, just ask that black woman who got locked up in Bellevue for for eight days yeah. for driving a BMW. Remember that? Yeah. That's that's been in the news recently. So, yeah, the authorities don't react well when trying to parse out who's crazy and who's not. They're clearly not good at it, well, yeah, even when it's not a crisis. Yeah, and then especially because the other doctor's like, hey, what did you find? What am I looking for? No, 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 i got to go talk to the guy. He doesn't give her any information. So then when, yeah. he, when he falls headfirst down the stairs and cracks his skull open and drops the vials, they're lost. Right there, yeah. you know, it's it's over. But uh, it does a, the film does a good job of, of demonstrating one of Romero's early, you know, uh, themes, which was we're not good in a crisis. No, and it's it, uh, and it does, and I think the film does a really good job with that. Um, uh, and uh, uh, that moment where you know it's turning up someplace else, and they're telling the colonel at the end. Yeah, listen, we'd like to move you to this new outbreak area because, you know, you've, you've got the experience now. And, you know, um, so we'll be removing you from the sterilization zone because they're going to fucking nuke it from orbit just to be sure, you know, which it's too late. You're nuking it and it's already out, you know. Congratulations. That's not going to help. Yeah, and, and it's a big – it's Louisville. It's a big city. Yeah, we see some outbreaks. Okay, so it's done. That's why I said it starts off as a micro-apocalypse, but it's slowly spreading because it's also viral, and it's, it's over. It's just the chain reaction because they're so worried about it getting out, and they, and they fail miserably. Because it's funny seeing the guys in the office in Washington talking about their options. They're like, no, we got to keep a security blackout. No, the news can't know. Hey, listen, we need to get a bomber in the air and talk about our options about just nuking the whole town. We can't nuke the town. Listen, this can't get out. We have to stop this now. But we can't do that. Listen, you know, we need to talk to the president. We need to tell him the options. And there even the one guy who's like eating his sandwich, he's like, listen, we got to put get the story on the news that there's radiation there because if we have to nuke the city, we want them to know that, hey, we're working with radiation here and there's a bomb there. They're trying to set it up. But of course, it's too late. They should have just probably just nuked it in the first place. Yeah, well, it's that thing where you, you we'll, 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 do the, we'll do the thing 
the, the, the thing we don't want to do that will fix it, we'll do it later because it's too painful or there'll be political fallout. You know, well, we can't keep it secret if we nuke it. Yeah, and now it's in another town. So we, you're still, and then they're still going to nuke it, even though it just doesn't matter at this point. Because, you know, toothpaste, toothpaste out of tube, genie out of bottle, you know. Well, and as one of the characters say, they're like, listen, this has been here, this has been going on for a week. It's in the water supply. Who's to say that some trucker hasn't come through drinking and now who God knows where he is now? So um, it's a marvel example of, of 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 you know that sort of the the horror is almost not Trixie, the horror is watching the the emergency response, yeah, and and seeing it fail and fail and fail and fail, despite best intentions and best efforts, um, you know they just it's just not going well. Yeah, uh, that is. And we see this in real life, like with Katrina, how emergency services and responses fail. All the you know, time. It happens. It's, it's, it's real. And he was, he was saying this back in 1973. You know? yeah. With the added benefit of, of uh, the sort of cynicism that's wandering around about Watergate, uh, although Watergate's a little bit later than, I guess, 73. It may have happened in 72, but I don't think it really gets rolling until 74. So... Um, but you know, uh, the, the again the uh, uh, the line I always remember is uh, from of all things the shitty Stephen King novel Tommyknockers, where they find the alien spaceship uh, stuck in the ground in earth and stone that's so old that it's like you know obviously crashed before humans were in North America, right? And they say, well, we should talk to the authorities, and the one character, his idea of the authorities it is in his head is the Dallas police because he has his, he's a kid of the 60s and when he thinks of the authorities can handle he thinks of the way the Dallas police first of all you know failed to protect the Kennedy uh, motorcade to start with and then having caught the assassin managed to walk him in front of live cameras right past the guy who's going to shoot him and for him, it wasn't a matter of conspiracy or uh, intention, but it was that level of incompetence. Oh, that was uh, that was apparently that was obvious to the world. It wasn't like yeah. conspiracy. Yeah, it was that level of incompetence. So for him, the authorities are oh good, the Dallas police are on the scene, you know. And that's what I think of when I watch the crazies. Is oh good, the Dallas police are here. Everything's gonna be everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna take care of this problem. No worries. Well, and, yeah, because it also seems like a lot of the people that they were, they didn't say if they were specifically regular army or National Guard, but the soldiers were just incompetent. They just seemed like, they, which leads me to believe that they were just kind of like, maybe, maybe they were just like, you know, uh, part-time soldiers, you know, because they, yeah, they, 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 they I think they, they kind of brought up the idea that these guys don't know why they're there. They're just the nearest National Guard unit that was brought in. They're yeah. not Army Chemical Corps. Uh, they're not specialists uh, from the Trixie thing. So you know, they're just you know they're just brought in. Uh, uh, the first guys available, which means you got your quick response, but your first responders don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and to, and to get and all the movie to get the real stuff. Like, yeah, that's still three days out until we can get all this stuff here. What you know? It's like you guys didn't plan for this. Again, it's you're trying to show that level of unpreparedness for this scenario. 
and frankly, the scenario is what? I mean, you have the fire the first night where the guy burns down his family. Then you have that whole day and the night and then the next morning. I think the movie only takes place over like 36 to 48 hours tops. Yeah, just a couple days. That's it. I don't think there's – I think there's maybe two nights in that film. There's the night when it starts and the next morning after the final protagonist has been captured by the army. Yeah. So moving on to the 2010 much slicker version of the crazies. Well, yeah, because you know it has the bigger budgets. Uh, I think it had. Let's see here. It was. Oh, they had 20 million dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of extra zeros compared to 270 thousand dollars. And it did, and it did, and it did 54 million in the box office. And it was well received. Now it is a lot slicker. Same concept. You know, a plane goes down. And but actually, I don't think they um, in this movie they didn't know a plane had crashed. They had seen some planes flying over, didn't know it crashed until um, well they start they start seeing some people they, acting they start seeing wanna, some people acting weird, and they're in the swamp because some of these hunters find a body of like a pilot and they're like where the fuck did this come from? So they're looking through the swamp and eventually they come upon oh wait a minute what's that under the water? There's like a freaking a giant transport plane under the swamp, and that's yeah. just, just leaking out to the water supplies. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's how. And the, and so the thing is, is that the impression I got from that one is that the plane crashed maybe a day before, and it was like, well, it was like two or three days because they said the incubation period was forty-eight hours for it to start, yeah. and the and the movie basically starts with, uh. The met the baseball starts with the met the baseball game and the guy walks out onto the field with a gun, the one guy. So he's got it. So it's been at least been two days. Yeah. And at that point, you know the the government's response is completely sub rosa in this movie. I mean, they don't show their presence nope. until they've you know they're like way out ten miles away from building a quarantine you know barricade yeah. out there. They're putting up troops outside the town and getting things into position that the people in town don't even know about. The first time something starts to look like it could be a problem is number one. Boots. Like just having phone, phones and internet. Was it phones and internet first or was it the boots? Because the boots was scary. Yeah. They just wake up the next morning like all the cars are booted. All of them. Yeah. Like they came that in was, through the night and booted them. Yeah, that was actually creepy to me. In a small town, everyone's going to be in bed between... 10 and 6 or 10 and 5 and there's going to be a window and the idea that they just got in there and put boots on all the cars and there's that one thing where the guy comes out and he just sees that SUV driving away as fast as it can yeah. you know from the town it's like huh wonder what and then just looking up and down the street to all those orange uh, metal uh, that was scary to me oh, like, yeah. I, I guess they don't want us to leave <laughs> Yeah. well the difference in this movie is like things move a lot quicker it's not as slow, it's not a slow pace because again it's it's not again it, not saying anything bad about you know the Romero film that yes it was slower the acting wasn't as good because again a lot of them were locals but it, it is what it is because the film was more of a conceptually uh, an excellent film as opposed to maybe visually this one definitely has a visual slickness um, it moves a lot quicker they the uh, they aren't coming in there. You know, oh, we have this thing here. This is going on. It should be fine. No, they just—they're sitting out there. Okay, our plane crashed. 
Let's see what happens. Okay, shit's happening. Let's move in. They, they were setting up and ready to pounce, and they did. Yeah. yeah. They blew the cars. And all this time, the sheriff's like, well, why are there boots on the car? And why are these people acting weird? And oh, what, there's this plane that crashed. And what's on here? And, he fig- and he's the one who figures out it's in the water supply. And he tells the mayor, and the mayor's like, you're freaking crazy. There's no problem. And he shuts the water supply off himself to, for the aquifer, but it's too late. People have been drinking yeah. the shit for two days, you know. But but he's okay. But he's okay, and some other people are okay because they have their, they drink from their own wells. Yeah, uh, Oliphant does a fine job. He's 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 great in it. Um, I had no complaints with his performance at all. Yeah, no, and, and and the shit goes down real fast. There are a lot more. Now this is a mil, This is the military that you would expect. You know, they are organized. They are efficient. I mean, some shit still does happen, and they do kind of bug out. But well, it's a different. It's the difference between our perception of the military that won the Gulf War, the first one, you know, mm-hmm. in two days wiped out Saddam Hussein, and the military that couldn't win Vietnam. Yes. Right. Uh, the '73 movie shows you the military that we think they can't get their act together and they can't do their job, uh, and the uh, other one shows us a military that, on one level, is excruciatingly efficient. Uh, much to our detriment, as a matter of fact, as our yes. heroes are trying to escape, you know. Yeah, and but it was still, as matter as, as well prepared as they're, they're at, there's the ones seen, again, spoiler alerts, people, um, you know, there's a bunch of yokels that come in like a, like a fire truck or a pickup truck, smash the gate where they're, you know, holding everybody and start shooting, and then some soldiers drop, and the people freak out and overwhelm them, and they're like, okay, we're out of here, they just get... They just bug out. They get in the choppers and they fucking leave, and they just pull back to the uh, quarantine line and they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna nuke the fucking town. Forget it. It's over. We can't save it." Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorite bits was the thing where they're chased by the chopper. Oh yeah, that was uh, a good scene. And they and they they go through the. I don't know if it's a, was it a dry. It's either is it car a wash. car wash? Car they wash. the cars, jump out of the car, and let the car just drive out, and it just takes a hellfire, and I'm just like poof. Okay, now that's charming, but unless there's a nice heat source in that building, I got a terrible feeling the chopper might have been able to pick their poor those poor bastards up on the thermals. Because if you want to see some snuff well, movie, well, you should well. go to you should go to um uh, uh, YouTube and watch all that gun camera footage of guys getting plastered in Afghanistan, and it's it's kind of it's kind of intimidating what our technology and what our hardware can do to some poor bastards. You know when, you know when they're caught in the cross sides of an Apache's with its thermal uh, thermal well, sides. Well, but I will say they were in the car wash, so either the water was extremely hot and it looks like one big heat source, or it was really cold and it brought their temperature down. Uh, that, I'll buy that. That's the excuse I'm giving them for that, and it may be plausible. Yeah, I, I think it might work. It might not. Now, certainly. You know, you don't see guys. Guys do not glow like they do on those night vision scopes when they're inside a building or no. when they're in a car. But uh, so if you have yeah. all that water and it brings everybody's temperature the same, or at least on the surface, yeah, yeah. N- n- maybe we could have got away. You know, but I'll, I was I'll, so, I'll give him I'll give him a pass on that. That's my plausible. Uh, that's my uh, suspension of disbelief. Thank you for providing an excuse for me to have them. You know what I mean? Because. I hate it when they don't even bother. They go, oh, it's just time for the plot and the plot to, for this to happen, and they just don't give me anything to, you well, know, they, they, hang they, my hat on. They don't explain that, but they set it up to where if you thought about, like, I just thought about it for a second. It's like, okay, well, 
heat signature, they're in the water. Okay, uh, you know, they settled yeah. up being there. But this movie, again, this movie is a lot faster paced. The shit starts going down real, real, real quick, you know. Yeah. Um, and I like that they bring in uh, one of my favorite character actors, um, let's see, uh, Glenn Morshower, okay, to play the, the FBI agent or the spook or whoever who they get their hands on for a little while, the uh, guy who was booting the cars. Oh, not, not even a little while. It is yeah. like like 10 seconds. Yeah, but I like that guy. They, he, he always gets tapped to play authority figures. He's played a fucking Secret Service agent like nine times in oh, his yeah. career. Um, well, they they, uh, they, st they stop him with the, with the tools that they stop other people with, and he's like, "Listen, we're trying to help. We're doing this. We're doing that." And you know, something happens to him. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and frankly, from his perspective, he's the hero of the movie. These people are fucking it up. You know, yeah. they are yeah. fucking it up. You know, uh, and, and that's well, and they certainly don't lose that. I don't feel that they lost that in uh, in this version either. Um, Although there was something where the the the, uh, the military was not as big into uh, gunning down civilians as they were in the first one, but what they do is they like like you said they constantly pull back and reestablish. They just keep they keep keep pulling back until eventually they just nuke the place. Well, yeah. well, they weren't all about killing civilians. Yeah, that that's on the surface you don't see that, but uh, there are. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, later in the film, you know, out of the gate, they're not. They're, like, trying to quarantine them, kind of get them separated, because they're probably going to do the same damn thing anyway. So, yeah. um... But you're right, you're right. They, I've, I'd forgotten that eventually you find out that, oh, half the people went to the left, and the other half of the people went to the right, and they all didn't work out. They all wound up in the same place together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. shallow grave. But, um... I forgot well, about that. Oh, Yeah. And uh, but it's said overall it's pretty it's good you know you still have the, you still have basically well you had five characters uh, in the first, in the seventy three this one had only had well it, you know what it's I, I'm sorry it started off with five they got up to five but then they lost two pretty quick and it was down to three which was basically male two guys and a girl uh, same setup you know you got the one guy who was kind of like the in charge guy the de he was the sheriff and the deputy so again. Gives them an excuse of, okay, why can they shoot? How do they know how to use guns? Well, they're the fucking sheriff well, I, and the deputy. And I got to tell you, I love the, I kind of love the fact that in the 73 one, it was, it was two firefighters. Yeah. You know volunteer, I mean? vo I, volunteer firefighters. Yeah. As opposed to, because they weren't, because they weren't law enforcement. You know, yeah. law enforcement gets gunned down in the 73 one by the yeah. army. Um, but uh, I, I like that these guys were, uh, they were, uh, people who came from a background of being able to handle danger and, and and deal with a crisis, you know, but they weren't necessarily law enforcement. Yeah, but it was okay that they were law enforcement, and you know, had the wife. The wife was pregnant. Yeah, you, you know, you had a lot of. They kept a lot of similar themes to it. Uh, yeah. And again, th at the end, they are together, and you had a similar thing with the secondary guy. Making a sacrifice, you know, just like yep. in the '73 movie. So they kept a lot of similarities to the film, but again, a lot faster pace, more when. Even though I think the movies are about the same length, um, pacing was different. I think they did, they did things a little bit different, but I, I I didn't get bored in the movie. I think I, I was entertained the whole time. I just realized there's a helicopter attack in both movies. Yes, you're right. <laughs> One's a little more high budget, but there's a helicopter attack in both movies. So yep, there was they kept a, you're right. They really do keep a lot of the forms 
a lot of the beats of the film are the same, even though again, yeah, you're right, pacing's way off. Yeah, pretty different, and it um... and something else. The seven, the, the, the seventy three one keeps jumping back to Washington, and he also keeps showing what's where the soldiers are, what they're doing in town. The the two thousand and ten one is an ant's eye view. You only see what the main characters see. Yeah, occasionally you get a, a little bird's eye view thing every once in a while, a little bit towards the end of like because they're not really like in Washington, but they're in some kind of you know headquarters where they have surveillance and they're you know you see a little bit of that towards the end. And you really don't see a lot of the you see the soldiers initially, then you see them a little bit towards when they have a quarantine line, like they block the roads off quite a bit. But that's all you really see of them. And of course, they have they have the same plan. Well, we got to nuke the town. It's you know it's gone apeshit. We can't do anything about it. And that that scene was a little um, no. Nah, uh, Is it was it a bit nuke the fridge for you? Uh, yeah, that scene was a little bit it's like um, they weren't quite far enough away. I don't care. I don't care if they were in a semi truck. No, but um, I but agree. Yeah, but the same thing happens. You know, they get out. Well, actually, no, no. These ones get out, start heading towards another city, and uh, you see the bird's eye view, and the like, same thing happens. Like you know, oh, we got to send you to this other town because we're having some outbreaks there. Same thing. If you if you watch the credits, yeah. watch the credits. You got the same thing going on. So they kept again. They kept they kept on pace with each other. It was different enough to where it wasn't cookie cutter. It wasn't like it wasn't like a Night of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead remake, you know, which mm-hmm. was pretty much almost scene for scene. But uh, the concepts are there. They kept a lot of like you said, a lot of the structure was the same. But again, um, I, I think a lot of modern audiences. Would have trouble, you know, especially some maybe some of our younger audience would have trouble tr- watching the '73 Romero film. Uh, you know, even though it's a good film, you know, somebody who's grown up with modern films probably would have trouble with it. You know, not to mention the complaint is like, well, I've already seen this before because I saw the 2010, or I saw any number of films that have used similar tropes. Yeah. But George was there first. That's the thing. Yes. Uh, he got there first with this concept, and everybody else is is pitching on to. They're they're behind him in the parade, uh, yeah. And that's why it's that's why it's always worth seeing is to see the first time trying these ideas out, you know. Correct. Uh, it, you know, it, you know, it's on YouTube. You can just watch it on YouTube. You know, so you don't have to spend any money. It's on there, full film, good quality. You know, that's where I watched it because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have it. So it's uh, again, it's worth seeing just to see the original, and you'll see some. Some of those characters, some of those actors in that film again appear in Dawn of the Dead, appear in Day of the Dead. You know, he repeats uh, some of his a- some of his actors there. Uh, but yeah. uh, but again, but then the 2010 one is definitely a good film as well, worth seeing as well. Same yeah. same concept. So um, so those are those films. Now we're going to tag on just a little bit at the end here uh, because. You know, because since we were talking about the crazies again, it was viral. It was a micro, which spread. But like I said, it really covers the third apocalypse that Scott brought up was the uh, behavioral apocalypse. And there's a few films out there that uh, do have a behavioral apocalypse theme as well. So we'll talk yeah. about that. We'll talk about those uh, quickly. Uh, what was that first one that you mentioned earlier? Uh, well, the, the the there's three books and three movies that I would throw out immediately. I mean, the first movie is a movie with Sam Waterston and. Uh, Fucking Kathleen Quinlan, Yapet Koto. The list on this, the, the, the cast is unbelievable. Uh, Jeffrey DeMunn, 
who was in Walking Dead. Richard Dysart, who got his arms bitten off by uh, the thing in the thing. Um, Rick Rosovich is in it. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, what, Jerry, what, what is it? Jerry Harden from the X-Files. Warning sign. It's another... It's, it's the... Uh, agricultural research station in town that's working on agricultural products but really is a a bioweapon research facility that has a lockdown right and Yapet Koto shows up with the army to say nobody's going in we're just gonna let the plague burn itself out and then uh, all the rednecks uh, decide we gotta get our families out and they decide to tear the doors down and let the bug out and um, the bug is very much like Trixie Hmm, okay. it's, it's airborne rabies, uh, you know, and uh, makes people become violent uh, for a long time until they die. And um, the movie's warning sign, it's from 1985. It is absolutely worth a look. Uh, Jeffrey DeMunn and Sam Waterston play the guys who fight their way into the sealed building uh, to... Um, uh, uh, to, to, to rescue their loved ones who are trapped inside. There's a lot of, uh, again, people with small roles like Rick Rosovich, who is in uh, Top Gun, and um, what, uh, shit, he was in Terminator. I keep forgetting Rick, Ro Rick Rosovich, the guy who gets thrown around by Arnold Schwarzenegger in the apartment, you know? Um, he was also in that uh, Steve Martin version of... Uh, 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 Sarah de Bergerac called Roxanne. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, Keith uh, Zabarcha, there's a guy you'll, if anyone, you know, Keith Zabarcha did voices for Fallout. He's a guy that you'll recognize from uh, The Equalizer, from Angel. The cast is really good, and the special effects are pretty good with the disease where it, it's the, the pustules show up, uh, the discoloration shows up uh, under black light, and it's pretty good. It's it's worth a look. So there's right, warning so sign. Warning uh, sign, uh, 1985, correct? Yeah. Now, yeah. that one never gets out of the building, so it's not an apocalypse. But there's The Plague, which is uh, a film from 2006 with, uh, of all people, James Vandermeek, where everybody on the planet falls into a coma for no really apparent reason. And then 10 years later, after taking care of everybody in a coma and changing their bedpans and giving them food, everyone wakes up and murders everybody who wasn't in a coma. So there's kind of this madness, this hive mind. It's not quite the same kind of madness as Warning Sign or The Crazies, but it's kind of a behavioral apocalypse. There's the 1976 film called, alternatively, Island of the Damned, where sometimes who can kill a child where all the children on the island just start murdering their parents. And these two people come to visit the island and, oh, they can't seem to find anybody, and then they're besieged by hordes of murderous children who are trying to kill them. Uh, that's kind of a behavioral apocalypse, I suppose. Um, but the books I would throw out... Well, and, those and, are, well and the signal... Like you said, oh, uh, you're right. The signal's the best example, and I completely shot right past it. The signal. There's uh, a, a very, you know, that's the one that was filmed by three directors. Yes. Uh, three different perspectives, which a lot of people hated. They're like, oh, the the pacing changes. It looks like three different movies because it was meant to be like that. 
It was meant to be three directors, different perspectives. Like we get one perspective, one chapter of that movie is from the from the crazy person's point of view. Like how yeah. fucking crazy they are. I think it was a really good movie. Yeah. I think I thought it was exceptional. I thought it was really really good. Yeah, the the you're right. The Signal is an excellent version of the crazy apocalypse of the behavioral apocalypse. And I don't know what the budget on it was, but I'm betting it was quite low. I mean, it does not look like uh, it does not look like a, a a big budget. Okay, budget is estimated at fifty thousand dollars in two thousand and seven. Right? They did a great job with their fifty thousand dollars. They really did. Um, no complaints about that. And so, so you're right. The signal. I completely forget. You're right. I mentioned that. I forgot about it. The three books I would throw out is uh, Stephen King wrote something called The Cell, which is apparently his grumpy old man complaint about cell phones, where it's the signal again, but it comes through everyone's cell phone. And oh, I, they, they, I think they did a movie on that as well, or uh, something like, or something like that. There is a movie called The Cell, but it's terrible. It's some Jennifer Lopez um, film. Uh, no, 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 no. Is, they, they, no, there's like one that's like, isn't like a Japanese film like. Oh, it's sort of like the ghosts are coming through the... Oh, yes. You're right. There is a Japanese film, uh, and it's not The Signal. Pulse. Pulse. There you go. See, it's Pulse using the cell Japanese phones and television ways, but again, that's a, a different kind of... That's a ghost. That's a supernatural apocalypse. Yeah. So. Uh, the other ones I would throw out are um, this, Among Mad Men. Now, I found this back in the 80s, I want to say. And it's illustrated by Jim Starlin, who is a uh, well-known uh, comic book illustrator. Yeah, first printing 1990, so practically the 80s. Jim Starling and uh, Diana Grazunius, who I don't uh, know from anything else. It's got a nice little blurb on the back from Stephen King, and it's a crazy apocalypse. It is a post-apocalyptic world where some sort of disease has come and made everybody insane and murderously crazy. So it's... It's like the crazies 10 years long after it's gotten out and transformed America. And it's filled with Jim Starlin illustrations. And Starlin, I believe, is the guy who illustrated Stephen King's The Dark Tower, or some of the interiors of The Dark Tower. And the last one I'm going to throw out of Crazy Apocalypse is a very recent book called Black Moon. Now, I haven't read Black Moon yet. It came out in, uh, like, last year, like 2013. And it's written by a guy named Kenneth Calhoun. Yeah, 2014. Real recent. Oh, yeah. This one's sort of a behavioral apocalypse, but the kickoff is is it's the sleep apocalypse. Nobody can sleep. Nobody can stay asleep. And the longer they're awake, the oh, yeah. weirder and crazier they oh, get. Well, it's, I think it's been proven with sleep deprivation, sleep deprivation, that the longer you're awake, the more you just start losing your fucking mind. Like, I think they've actually proven it that if you don't get sleep yep. for you'll hallucinate. And if you're, you hallucinate, you start going crazy. And if, it could eventually, it could kill you. Actually, yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah, and the idea that no one can sleep is awesome because the guys who are working on a, a cure, they're not getting any sleep either. You know so, what I mean? Um, so how so how solid is their work? Yeah, exactly. Um, the creepiest thing can't, I, I haven't read it yet, but the creepiest thing I ran across was in a review. Somebody's talking about how. It's written from points of view of people who can't get sleep and people who can get sleep, the different different sides of the problem. And there's this one part where, like, somebody posts a video on YouTube of a baby sleeping. And at first, the, the comments are like, 
oh, wow, I wish I could sleep. You know, oh, I'm so jealous, you know. And then the later comments from people who've been up for longer is, fucker, fucking kill it, fucking kill that fucking thing. How you know? It's just all hate and anger because the, you know, rage at the baby because it can sleep. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the sand running through the hourglass, kids. We are running out of time. So Black Moon, uh, I bought it. I haven't gotten around to reading it yet, uh, but it sounded like a good concept for a behavioral apocalypse where everyone goes nutso. Uh, and we self-destruct. Cool, cool. So yeah, so there's definitely uh, uh, definitely some quite a bit of quite a bit of stuff out there for the behavioral apocalypses. So, all right, folks. So that's uh, that's going to be our show for this week. Uh, we actually, wow, we're only running like at like uh, an hour and ten minutes. I, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with us, but because uh, we didn't try to take on too much stuff at one time, that's why we we're able to get done in a reasonable period of time. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But. Uh, so the crazies, if you give, you know, just to see, just to see the, hold on, hold on, just to uh, see the original 1973, the crazies, as well as seeing the 2010 version, totally worth your time. Uh, you know, Scott mentioned a bunch of behavioral apocalypses as well. Now, uh, next show, which will be in our normal schedule two weeks, we're going to talk about the, I haven't decided what we're going to call it, the dry apocalypse, the heat apocalypse, something like that. We're basically going to talk about what things are good? What things are going to be like when things get a little hot and we're running out of water, like in Solar Babies? Yeah, let's do Thirst Mageddon. Thirst Mageddon. It, thir it sounds like an, it sounds like a, like an Irish guy you're running to in a bar. You know, I I'm Thirst Mageddon, but um, <laughs> I was going to say that it's a new drink product. You know, the or Thirst Mageddon or Scottish. You know, uh, oh, well, it's, a, it's glug. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So we'll be doing uh, what happens when uh, yeah we get a little desertification. Yeah. Yeah. So there's it, uh, it, there's some things I need to still watch. Scott has watched. We came across some other. There. I mean, we have to do a little digging to try to find some more heat apocalypse stuff. We're not talking about solar babies. We're just not. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well. Well, we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it. It's just, you know, we'll, 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 pick, we'll poke fun at it, but we're not going to, like, oh, yeah, that's Solar Babies. That's a hot apocalypse. Anyway, let's talk about, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to talk about the hot apocalypse and uh, next time. And you said you had a couple of other uh, ideas to pitch for some future shows? Yes, yes. I have a friend of mine who'd like to pitch an idea about, um, well, first of all, uh, I'd like to bring Frank Fry back and give him some more, uh, give a more, a better interview, a more organized interview with the old Frank on Twy yeah. 2K. Because yeah. we, everybody talk, we, we talked about that. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. And uh, I have a friend of mine named uh, Jim Kitchen who wants to sell us on the idea that the guidebook, the the uh, game of the year guidebook that was made for Fallout 3, is actually the greatest. Um, uh, post-apocalyptic role pen, pen and paper role-playing game never published. That the that that book is organized in such a way that that it is actually like a rule book for a pen and paper role-playing game. And if you wanted to just take that guidebook, you could run uh, a Fallout role-playing game just with that stuff. And I would of course love to revisit Fallout uh, anytime because I often do in my real life, but um, I'm interested to see the sales pitch. So we'll have him pitch us directly, and then we'll see if we want to unleash this madman's theory on the public. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if we could turn a whole show into that, but uh, well, maybe. No, no, but, but maybe, maybe, we, maybe if we uh, do a uh, full-out redux and bring it up again, maybe we'll uh, loop, loop that into as part of the discussion. 
Nobody's going to get tired of Fallout. Nobody. Nobody's going to get tired of it. No, nobody. 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 But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely, yeah, we definitely want to do a Twilight 2000 Redux, too, because there's a lot to talk about. And, uh, again, it was earlier on when we weren't as professional <laughs> as we because are we, now. Because we've gotten so much better. Actually, you know what? I think I think we do a lot better job than we did out of the gate. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll reapproach that. So, so yeah. So those are some ideas. And then also after the hot apocalypse, I want to hit on language because we talked about communications and ways of conveyance uh, the other show. We want to talk about language, actual language uh, in the apocalypse as well. Because shit, man, language varies uh, not in the apocalypse right now. So we want to definitely see where where that could go. So and of course we'll come up with some other ideas as we go along, but at least we've got a couple more shows laid out so we can keep you entertained for at least another month. If we're gonna do if we're gonna do language apocalypse, we're probably I, I'm gonna insist we touch on a terrible eighties film called uh, America three thousand, which has one of the most amazing scripts because it, it, it does that thing where it comes up with new words for everything after the apocalypse. Oh yeah. And it's awful because not only do they have the language, they then proceed to tell you everything that it means. Like, they, they have a narrator who goes, that means, nuke means death, or, you know, to nuke someone means to kill them, you know, now, in the future. And it's just like, wow, you didn't think we could figure that out from the way it was used? Okay. And, 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 and by explaining it, you defeat the whole purpose of using it. Yeah, you, yeah, you just sucked all the cool out of the thing you were trying to do. Good, congratulations. Um, uh, America 3000 is definitely worth a look, and I can send you some links to it online. It's, oh, it's wow. awful. It's, oh, yeah. it's awful. It's one of the most awful. Um, it really cool. is cool. All right, so so that's it again, folks. We'll see you uh, in two weeks for the thirst apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, uh, go to, we'll, we'll go drinking with him, but um, Hydrogeddon, Hydrogeddon. No, Hydrogeddon was would be where would be Waterworld, where the there's too much water. Yeah, let's let's not yeah, talk about not let's, let's let's never talk about Waterworld, but uh, yeah. Oops. Oops. Yeah, there was two good things about Waterworld, and I think we've already mentioned it, and we don't think we ever need to mention it again. But uh, So we're going to talk about the heat apocalypse uh, two weeks, folks, so we'll see you then. So this is from Podcast Act Round Zero, Jared the Apocalypse, and Nerd Wallace, and Annabob Glancy saying thank you and good night. Coming at you coast to coast. That's right. What, what are we, space coast, coast to coast? Well, no, when you're, you're, you're in Lauderdale, I'm in Seattle. That's fucking coast to coast, bitches. That's right. That's how we roll, bitches. All right, folks, <laughs> thank you, and we'll see you in the wasteland.